Well, welcome. That was just great reading, wasn't it? Hey, um, in this service, this Easter service, we have all ages, big people and little people. And uh, right now, I just want to offer a special prayer over those little people in our midst. So if you will join me in prayer. Gracious God, in all the weird and amazing, wonderful ways that we are living right now, we lift up these most important people that we are with. We lift up our future. We lift up these little um, people that you have breathed life into and are growing up before you. We ask that um, today especially that they would experience that explosive joy of Easter, that explosion of possibility, that certainty that anything could happen in this world and that they're part of it. So right now, as they, um, as they watch, as they listen, as they engage, as they color those cool uh, Easter pictures, I just pray all of that would be a rich collection of praise before you. So we lift them out with outstretched arms, Lord Jesus, before your throne of grace. And all God's people say, amen. Yes, if you have those little um, coloring pictures that you've downloaded from our website, get going on them because uh, we're going to invite you throughout this service uh, to post them up, post them on our Facebook page or um, say something about them in the live feed on the uh, YouTube stream that we've got going. Just, you know, engage with us here a little bit, okay? It's Easter Sunday. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Yes, so said the three people in attendance. That's right. That was some great scripture reading. Um, and one of those scripture readers has a rather significant birthday, a one of the decade birthdays that is zero. So uh, just a shout out to Mrs. Huffman. Um, hey, throughout the service, you're going to find a couple of little things on the screen. I want to just post up two little things that we have been getting from folks. Uh, this is little Julia Lundberg. She is in the role of the Good Shepherd. That was from a few weeks ago. We've also got this little gem. It's uh, the Good Shepherd rendered in the form of clay figures. That's from Zoe Oaks. Thank you. Um, if, uh, if you have been around uh, very much at the news, you know that uh, we're one of the many churches that uh, most of the churches that are not uh, having live services. I know that there are a few out in Idaho where they've been asked people to come into the sanctuary um, and maybe even in Tampa, Florida, but that's neither here nor there, is it? Because the resurrection did not need people to be present for it. Jesus did not need a sunrise service. He didn't need a gathering of church folks. He didn't uh, even require a witness, right? He didn't even need a witness. Remember that scene from How the Grinch Stole Christmas? I know, it's an all-age sermon, okay? It's all ages here. Um, the Grinch thought that if he took the packages and the ribbons, the candy canes and the Christmas trees, if he removed all the trappings of Christmas, then he could prevent Christmas from coming. Remember that? But what happened, all you little people? You remember, don't you? That Christmas morning, every who down in Whoville the tall and the small began singing. And the Grinch realizes Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, he realizes, means a little bit more. So today, without church buildings, without trumpets, without stately processionals, without lilies, 
The pandemic hasn't stopped Easter from coming. It came just the same. That's the theme of today. And maybe there's no day more fitting to say it. The theme of today, God is here. The resurrection has happened and nobody can stop it from coming. There ain't no grave that can hold this body down, Johnny Cash sang. Neither you nor I nor any governor or president or empire have the power to stop the resurrection. Well, maybe you hear that and you think, well, duh. <laughs> but I'm not just talking about the power of God in resurrecting Jesus. I'm talking about the power of God to also resurrect you and me, us, right now under the shadow of death. Because I'm not just talking about that time far in the future, hopefully, when our final breath gives out. I'm talking about right now, today, in our places, in our fears, in our anxieties of death, in our world of injustice. From the beginning, the earliest believers understood that the resurrection was not only specific to Jesus. In this wild and wonderful way, the resurrection was a taste of what awaited them. The victim lived again. The one scorned and shamed was now vindicated. The outcast had been revealed to be the one closest to God's heart. That reading that we just heard from 1 Corinthians, Paul understood that Jesus was the firstborn among many. That what had happened to Jesus, that power that had been in him, that had raised him from the dead, was going to be in all of them, starting now. God was at work bringing forth life. And not just to a couple of the lucky ones that ended up showing up at the tomb, and not just to Mary, who had come to anoint the body, but as we heard, to, to Peter, and then the other disciples, and then to 500, and then to James, and then to Paul. The resurrected Jesus just kept showing up. Here, in this life, it was not just about the empty tomb. <laughs> it was about this encounter they had with a risen Savior. It was that encounter that caused them to go back and rethink everything they had heard from Jesus while he walked among them. It was this experience with Jesus as a risen Lord that finally made him think, I get it. All that other stuff that he did and talked about, God is saying yes to all of that. So today, in the time I have, I just want to refresh with you a little bit. Some of the stuff that Jesus did that was crazy in the day. That in the light of the resurrection, people started to look back on and think, wow, all of this must be true as well. We got to remember, you know, before we have 2,000 years of received uh, truth here, you know, received uh, liturgies and ways of living into the Christ story, you have a rabbi Jesus bar Jonah walking around, Jesus bar Joseph walking around who's saying a lot of kind of crazy stuff. Can I get an amen on that? He's walking around saying things that people 
just can't believe. <laughs> then and now, it almost sounds too good to be true. Do you remember the first thing that's recorded of him saying? It comes from the book of Mark. The first chapter, verse 14, the kingdom of God is here. Repent. Believe the good news. Just that phrase. God is right here. God is active. God is accessible. God is available. That is a hand clap to their cheek. What? Right now, right here, we're living in God's house? That was mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing to them to think, to think that God wasn't any more likely to be found in the walls of a church than God was at their kitchen table. That God was as easily found in the fields or counting the poll tax by the side of the road. This was very confusing to people. It led to a lot of immediate questions. Had the kingdom always been there? And, and, and Jesus was simply alerting people to it? Or was the kingdom now here because this man Jesus had brought it? Because this kingdom business was really a big deal to good Jews. When the kingdom of God came, as the Hebrew prophets had talked about, and they talked about it a lot, <clears throat> It was going to be terrifying. It, it, it was going to be paralyzing. Uh, as, as the prophet Zephaniah said, a day of wrath is that day of the Lord. Alas, says the prophet Joel. No, among the Hebrew prophets, there's a sense of impending doom. Because when God shows up and by sending the Messiah, because that's how it was going to go down. There was going to be this forerunner of the kingdom, this Messiah who would talk about it. He was going to lead them in a violent overthrow. God was going to set things straight. He was going to put the enemies of the Jewish people in their place. And then here comes this Jesus guy. And from the get-go, he announces the kingdom and then he walks around Galilee acting like he likes people. Like he, he liked being with people. He liked talking to people. He touched sick people. People with nasty legs. People with peeling skin. He, he visited grave sites. He joined them where, where they worked. He cried right alongside those who were weeping. He ate at their tables. He laughed at their jokes. He drank their wine. He shot the breeze. Jesus liked hanging around them. Well, people were confused and some were perturbed because, wait a minute, <laughs> this guy? He's the Messiah? The harshest words Jesus ever has is for religious leaders to clean up their act. The angriest thing the Messiah ever did was to turn over the tables of the temple because religious leaders were extorting the poor. He's the Messiah. If you were one of the many, it was too good to be true.
If you were one of the powerful, you thought this is seriously messed up. It wasn't that Jesus was ever the answer man. He didn't fix all their problems. He didn't heal all their diseases. He didn't offer them a plan to get ahead. In fact, the great prophet John the Baptist was confused enough that while he is in prison, he sends word to Jesus asking, um, are you actually the one that we're to be waiting on or uh, should I be looking out for somebody else? Jesus had this call to recognize the goodness of God all around. And he had this invitation. You can be part of it right where you are. He said, look at people around you. They're all your neighbors. You're connected to them. You don't have to believe what they believe. They don't have to speak the language you speak. They don't have to look the way you look. But you're connected. Jesus didn't need COVID-19 to know that the health of one affects the health of all. Jesus had a plea to see what sin was doing to us, what it was destroying. That was that repentance piece. He invited people to see what their pride and their hubris and their fear, their crippling fear. He invited them to see what it was doing to them, what it's doing to us, what our thirst for power and our lusts were unleashing in the world. Jesus never used words like racism or discrimination or bigotry to describe the others. But he simply and assertively put the other first. He made the hated Samaritan the heroes of his story. He elevated the poorest widow to the highest honor. He sought out the crazies those who lived among the tombs or were screaming at him by the side of the road. God is now here. You've got to rethink your life. You know, there's been a lot of talk recently about whether we'll ever go back to what was once normal. Speaking for myself, I don't want to go back to normal. This public health crisis has, reveal, has revealed our inequities, our inequalities, and it is stunning, our system is, in its disregard for black and brown people. Coming out of this, no one can be ignorant of the fact that in our city, blacks are dying of COVID-19 at six times the rate of white people. I don't want us to go back to complacency. In the same way, I don't want to forget that Jesus taught that we are all connected to him and to one another. Here is where it's happening. It's happening right here. In places where you look at and scream up to the sky, in places where you feel tested and sorely pressed upon by every side. Here, in a land rife with bad leaders and a thirst for violence and a hankering for greed, 
here whereby last Friday more than 16 million of us have filed for unemployment. And so many more of us are worried about our jobs and our businesses and these degrees that we've worked so hard to achieve. Here, where the most watched show is Tiger King, where more than 16,000 people in America have died, more than 100,000 worldwide, but we can't comfort one another in death, nor hold our grandbabies, or see our children, or celebrate weddings, or enjoy a warm afternoon with friends, or any one of the other thousands of small and holy interactions. Right here is where the resurrection's happening. In these days of ours, there has never been a holier time than right now. There's never been a time when Jesus has been more present than today, this morning. I was talking with Sandy Reed a few days ago. She's a hospice nurse, or she was a hospice nurse, now she's a hospice chaplain. And I was talking with her about her experiences of the last week as she has sat alongside the dying. She described how the hospital is bustling like no tomorrow, right? There's this constant stream of busyness, IVs and needles and blood work and exams and bed changes. And in the midst of all that, she has sensed, she has seen, experienced this still point, this sense of a sacred spirit departing this glimpse into a presence that is immediate and real and here. This past week on Wednesday, Pastor Julie and volunteers supplied groceries to more than 60 housebound seniors and they hand delivered 35 additional meals that night. That was after serving 75 at Breaking Bread. Many of these people had never known food scarcity before. Later that night, Pastor Randall was getting ready to leave for the day, and a volunteer slipped an envelope from one of the seniors to him. It was a woman who had gotten one of those meals. Thank you for your love during this crisis. Your meals are greatly appreciated. Signed, a recipient. And enclosed was this torn $10 bill. This woman recognized that those meals weren't just a meal, that they emerged from something, that they came from a source of love, that they're an expression of concern, of connectedness. She also recognized intuitively that it's bigger than any one party, that that connectedness is from God to us, from us to her, but then also from her back to us, back to them, back to God. That's what that $10 bill is saying, at least in part. That as she reaches back to us, we reach back to Christ. That we are all connected, God, here, now. Some of you on Friday 
uh, went online to the Chicago Tribune or maybe opened your newspaper, still some people are doing that, to find a picture of our very own Jeliner Jordan. Jeliner, or Jelly, as her friends call her, is not only the human driving force behind Breaking Bread, she's also spent her life as a seamstress. So why on earth, in the middle of this pandemic, at the age of 76, wouldn't she be out there doing what she does, right? In this case, making hundreds of face masks for people. The article went on to say that sometimes she wakes up as early as 4 a.m., and she begins sewing at the window of her apartment right here on the corner of Elm and LaSalle. That window looks out upon her church. And there's a sense of connection, of community to this place here and to this deep joy that she gets from sewing for others. God, here, now. With everyone who is wearing a jelly-made mask. <laughs> With every person eating meals and every hand that's prepared them. Everything Jesus said about God being in their midst, ringing in their ears as they meet the risen Savior. Just before he died, <clears throat> two days earlier, Jesus or one day earlier, Jesus had given them something, the disciples, something to do that would help them to remember just how present God would always be with them. He had offered bread and wine in a meal. They were ordinary elements, simple food, simple food, nothing fancy, nothing outside the reach of any of us. We call it the Lord's Supper. And together on this Easter Sunday, in the shadow of COVID-19, we are going to celebrate it together. Not all that dissimilar from what the Christians did in the catacombs or the disciples did in the locked rooms. They broke bread, they shared wine, and they told stories. They told the story of Jesus. They told the story of grace. Remember that time? Remember when we were out on the boat on that storm? Remember the way he rode into Jerusalem? Oh, do you remember that time when that Roman centurion came up and he didn't, we weren't even sure Jesus should have been talking to him? Remember that? They told stories about what he'd done and where he'd done it. And as they told those stories, something started to leap up in them. Something that looked a lot like resurrection. Something that started to emerge away and pull them away from their fears and away from their anxieties and away from their concerns. Something that moved them right into the presence knowingly of this God who was all around them. While this next uh, piece plays, I invite you to go to your kitchen and get some bread. Any bread will do. And get some wine or some grape juice or, I don't know, probably any beverage will do too. And I invite you to grab that and come back. Pastor uh, Randall and Pastor Julie uh, went around this city hand-delivering 150-plus little communion elements 
the juice and the wafer. So if you got one of those, bring that to you. Bring it back, get back in front of the TV, go and get them now and I'm gonna go to my kitchen and I'll meet you back here. People of LaSalle, Christ has risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen.